السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائدهم شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى ولا تقف ما ليس لك به علم إن السمع والبصر والفؤاد كل أولئك كان عنه مسؤولا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من ستر مسلما ستره الله في الدنيا والآخرة أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Every single one of us, without an exception, we are all sinners. Every single one of us, without an exception, we are all sinners. And not just normal sinners, sinners of the highest degree. And anybody who has any objection to this, uh, they need of treatment themselves. Every single one of us, without an exception, we are sinners and sinners to the highest degree. However, the point I want to make is this. It is the inherent passion of every sinful person that his or her sins remain hidden. It is the inherent passion and the desire of every sinful person that their sin remains hidden. Is there anybody who wants their sins to be exposed? That everybody knows and finds out what we've done in our past, in our history, in the dead of the night? No. It is the inherent desire and the passion of every sinful person that his or her sin remains a secret and remains hidden. Now some people are very possessive over their mobile phone. They would never let it get to anybody's hands. Why? Because they know that anybody goes through it, what will happen? Your secrets, your sins, your mistakes will be revealed. How possessive some people can be. But they won't let anybody touch it because they'll find out. So this is the inherent desire. However, in this world, from a materialistic point of view, there is no guarantee that anyone's sins will remain hidden. There's nothing can guarantee. No one can guarantee you that your sins will remain hidden. It could become exposed in some way, shape or form. However it is, no matter how secretive you might be, no matter how you try to hide, in some way, shape or form, it may become exposed. However, Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a divine formula to keep your sins hidden and to remain a secret. This is from Allah. No worldly material can provide this sense of security. You know, you have all these security uh, formulas and security software or privacy settings. But all of these can be hacked into, every single one. But there is a formula divine from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which guarantees that your sins will remain hidden. Anybody wants to know this? Shall I share it with you? What is it? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he tells us, مَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Whoever hides the sins of other Muslims, Allah will hide your sins in dunya and in akhirah. This is a promise of Allah. 
if you conceal and hide the sins of others, forget other people, Allah takes this responsibility upon Himself that Allah will hide and conceal your sins. Not just in dunya, also in akhirah as well, in the hereafter, where we need it the most. And then a hadith of Abu Dawood Sharif, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Man satara awrata mu'minin, whoever hides the fault, the mistake, the sin of another person, فَكَأَنَّمَا إِسْتَحْيَا مَوْعُودَةً مِنْ قَبْرِهَا It is as if he has revived a girl that was buried alive from her grave. You know in the pagan Arabs, in the Jahiliyyah, we hear that there was a very unfortunate custom that they had. That if a girl was born, they would bury her alive. And on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا الْمَوْعُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَمٍ قُتِلَتْ that that girl will be resurrected on the day of judgment and be asked, what crime did you commit that you were buried alive? No crime at all. Just the fact that she was a girl. May Allah give us understanding and take us away from jahiliyyah. So scholars have mentioned why is it that when you hide a person's sins, why do you get the reward of reviving a person who was dead? This is the reward you get. As if you brought back someone alive. Because the scholars mention every human being, regardless who you are, we all have a social standing within our community. We all have a level of esteem and respect. When you expose somebody, their faults, their blemishes, their shortcomings, their sins, what happens? This has a knock-on effect upon their reputation and upon their social standing. Because of which, People lose respect for this person. This person may lose self-confidence. This person might lose his wife. He might lose his children. He might lose his property. And he might lose his life altogether. Just because of you exposing a mistake or a sin of his or hers. And now you hiding. So this person has become lifeless now. There's no life. You found out somebody's committed a sin secretly. But you went round, instead of addressing that individual, you went and told other people about it. Yes, I, disclaimer. The disclaimer is that when topics like this are discussed, there are people listening who are suffering. And they are on the opposite side of the spectrum and they say, no, 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 what you're saying is wrong. We must expose those people who do bad. No, there's two different things here. If somebody has oppressed you, it's different, number one. Or number two, Islam allows us to expose somebody because of whom other people may be harmed. For example, in business dealings, for example, in marriage and other kind of conducts that we have which affect other people. That you could expose somebody, a dealer who is very bad in his dealings. And you know that if somebody else goes there to him or her, they will suffer harm, financial harm and difficulty. You're allowed to expose and say, look, I wouldn't advise because it's known and I've had a bad experience. Or for example, somebody is going to get married and they ask you your opinion about a person and you know that they are, there are issues and problems, serious problems, not something they've done in the past many, many years ago and they've repented from and there's no need to bring it to the fore. Something that's current that would affect that person and harm them. Islam allows you to expose because you're being honest. But if somebody secretly has done something and it's not affecting anybody else, it's their sin 
and for you to go and expose it, that will cause, that could potentially cause a lot of harm. But if you were to hide the sin of this individual, what will happen? These are the rewards that have been mentioned. Now we've been encouraged to continuously conceal the sins of other people. Look at the verses of Nikah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Hunnah libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahunna. Allah describes the husband and a wife as garments. You know, you get pieces of clothing in the laundry baskets and they're all wrapped with each other. This is how a husband and wife should be. Allah says, Hunnah libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahunna. They, meaning your wives, are a garment unto you. They are a clothing and you are a clothing unto them. What is the primary objective of clothing? There are many objectives of clothing. But one of the objectives of the clothing that we wear is to cover ourselves. Not, I mean, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not as if there's a, there's a problem. But if there is, if I have a scar going down, if I have other blemishes, if I have some sort of skin disease, if I have some spot or anything, once you are dressed, what happens? Nobody can see this. All the faults are hidden. They're concealed. They're away from the people's eyes. And this is one of the objectives of nikah. The husband, however he is, whatever he is, the wife is there to cover him up and be a cover for him. And the wife also has problems and difficulties as well. Yes, she may be going through difficulties. Obviously, nobody is perfect. It was only Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from this ummah who, who we can say reached the stage of perfection. So everybody has their ups and downs. So the couple are there to hide each other and to conceal each other. It's so unfortunate that many a times when you get involved in these marriage arbitrations and you think you've nearly sorted it out, and the husband and the wife are finally reconciled. And then it just takes a moment to, for one of them to start, should I say, vomiting out. Things that happened 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. What's the need to bring all this now to the fore? The primary object was that you are a garment for each other. So this can be applied and this is the Quran. So this is one example. And even in the time of Sahaba, it was only Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who reached the stage of perfection. Everybody else, they are prone to committing some sort of mistake. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there was a man and he had a business of dates. And whilst he was carrying out his daily business, a woman came to his stall to purchase the dates. And she was looking at the dates. This man, he became attracted to this woman. And he said to the woman that, you know, these dates are good, but I have very good quality inside. Come inside in the back storeroom, very good quality dates. So she goes to the back, innocently following him. He couldn't control himself and he grabbed her and he kissed her. This is happening when? In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He kissed the woman and she ran away. As soon as this happened, this man, he felt very bad. What have I done? I couldn't control myself. I went beyond the mark. So immediately he felt remorse and regret. And he went to Sayyiduna Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Oh Abu Bakr, I've done something wrong. Please, you know, I need to sort myself out. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, why are you telling me? Keep it a secret and repent to Allah. 
finished. Why, why you, did you even come and tell me? This is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make tawbah shh, and carry on. This man was restless. From there he went to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Umar. He thought Umar is a bit more strict. Oh, Amir oh Umar ibn Khattab. He wasn't Amir al-Mu'minin yet. He says, oh Umar ibn Khattab, I have done this. Umar radiallahu anhu said, why are you telling me? Keep it a secret, make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, move on. This man was restless. He went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is what happened with me. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave exactly the same advice. Tawbah ila Allah, keep it quiet and make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no need to make a fuss about it. So we are encouraged. When we are encouraged in Islam not to expose our own sin, imagine how detrimental it is to expose the sins of others. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that Allah will forgive every person except that person who exposes his own sin. Every person from my ummah will be forgiven except for al-mujahirun. Sahaba said, who are the mujahirun? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, those people who commit sins and Allah hides them and they go and tell people. Allah says, I'm hiding your sins and you expose it. I'm hiding it for you. I'm keeping it hidden and you're exposing it. Allah, why do I need to hide it now? So one thing we need to realize is we are living in a society where everyone is a sinner. We are sinful ourselves and our duty is to hide the sins, hide our own sins and hide the sins of others. And remember, it is not the sinner that we have a problem with. It's the sin. And this is a distinction we need to make. It's not the sinner we have a problem with. We have a problem with the sin. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Very important principle. Hate the sin, not the sinner. How many a times does it happen that we see somebody committing a sin that we're committing ourselves? And we think bad of them. We should drown in shame. How many? It's very common that we see other people committing a sin that we're committing, but we like to rebuke them. We like to admonish them, think bad of them, speak to other people about them, and saying, look so and so, yet we are committing the same sin ourselves. And moving further on, time doesn't allow, I just want to touch upon this, that we can sometimes become a little judgmental as well. You see somebody's son or somebody's daughter involved in some activity, whether it be drugs, whether it be drinking, whether it be some fraudulent activity. And we're very quick to pass judgments. But remember, don't we also have children as well? Don't we also have family as well? Nobody feel, should feel immune and think just because it's happened to them, it's never going to happen to me. And there are many examples, time doesn't allow us to go into the details, but there are many examples where this actually happens, where sometimes we pass comments and say, look, so-and-so's children, they're into drugs. So-and-so's children, they're into zina. So-and-so's children, you know, they're, they're always into fraudulent activities. And before you know it, your own children, may Allah protect, may Allah safeguard us, are involved in exactly the same thing. So never to become judgmental, never to become judgmental.
Think before you speak. I give you one example and end my talk. It happened in the time of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verses of the Quran. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْسَنَاتِ وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْسَنَاتِ It's very easy to, for us to say that, you know, that's the son of a Mulvi. We say this sometimes. How can he do it? That's the daughter of a respectable tablighi person. If he was my son, I would have done this to him. If he was my daughter, I would have never allowed. And before you know it, when your own son and your own daughter are doing this, what's going to happen? Then you drop your head in shame. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْسَنَاتِ Allah revealed the verses of the Qur'an. Those people that accuse chaste and modest women of committing zina, they're chaste, they're modest. And you want to accuse them of committing zina, Allah says, bring four witnesses. Allah says, bring four witnesses. And if you can't bring four witnesses, then the person making the accusation will be lashed 80 times for accusing a chaste woman without bringing four witnesses. When this verse was revealed, one of the leaders of the, of the Ansar of Medina, Sa'd ibn Ubadah radiallahu stood up and very respectfully said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, without any disrespect, did Allah really reveal this ayat of the Quran? Was this really how Allah said it? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Oh Ansar, what is he saying? Is, is, he, is he objecting? What, I mean, what, what, how dare he say this? Like, I've just told you Allah has revealed this verse of the Quran. What are you saying? The Prophet ﷺ, you can see that he is confused that a, a great Sahabi has questioned him on this particular ayah of the Quran. So immediately another Sahabi, one of the other leaders, Sa'd ibn Mu'ad stands up. Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, please let me intervene. I think there's a little misunderstanding here. He's not objecting. His question is this, what he's trying to say is, if he was to go home tonight, this is in the hadith, if he was to go home tonight, he enters his house and he finds his own wife committing zina with somebody. I mean, he's not going to go and find four witnesses, is he, before he takes action? This is the question he's asking Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And everybody thought that the atmosphere then cooled down. Oh, yes, that's something valid. It's a question that comes to the mind. The Ansar had just discussed this. A week had passed by. And the same scandal, this same incident happened within the Ansar. Hilal ibn Umayyah comes home and he found that his wife was engaged with somebody else. And the rumor spread in the Ansar dropped the heads. Yesterday we were, we were discussing it and saying, if, if it happened to me, I would not wait for four witnesses. I would go and take action. Sometimes we're a bit loud and we're a bit more pious than we actually are. We sound more pious than we actually are. When it actually happens and when it hits home, it's only then we realize Again, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, whoever hides the faults of others, Allah will hide our faults in the dunya and also the akhirah. On the contrary, whoever taunts another Muslim, whoever taunts another Muslim regarding a sin from which he or she has already repented from, they've made tawbah from it, but you remind them or tell other people about it. The hadith says of Tirmidhi, you will not die until you commit the same sin yourself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and safeguard us. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.